Well, good morning. It's great to gather as God's people uh, around God's Word. Uh, if you're visiting this morning, great to have you join us. My name is Josh, and I'm the pastor here. Uh, we are finishing our series in the book of Malachi. Uh, it's a great uh, week to be at church uh, this morning. Just before we get into this passage today and the three verses that we uh, were read out before, I uh, just wanted to uh, echo Spence uh, about our members meeting and our AGM uh, next Sunday. Uh, if you are a member, you would have received a heap of documents uh, on Friday our, uh, about the meeting. Uh, just wanted to highlight a couple things. So we do have our deacon nominations uh, next, or deacon elections uh, at the AGM. And just to let you know that uh, we have three nominations, Ken Myhill, Spencer Felix, and uh, Jeffrey Mack. Uh, Jono Ferno uh, decided not to uh, re-nominate uh, himself or put himself open for nomination. Uh, so uh, he'll be finishing his term at the end of this year. Uh, so those are three candidates for deacon nomination. And also, if you do have a look at the documents, uh, we are actually very excited to uh, bring a, propo a proposal uh, to open a position called a student minister uh, or a, a student intern uh, at the church starting next year. Uh, so to open uh, that position. And we also have a candidate uh, in Tim Sparks, who is one of our own at the back. Uh, so we're really excited about that opportunity. Uh, if you do have any questions about those things or any other things that are on the agenda, please let me know. Uh, if you do need a printout, I do have a copy here because uh, there are 26 pages or something like that. Uh, most of it was uh, fixing up our treasurer's mistakes, uh, but we'll let that go. <laughs> uh, let's pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Fathers, we uh, come to your word now this morning. We would ask you to speak to us today, that you would show us uh, all you've done for us, your goodness and your grace in Jesus. And Lord, that by your spirit, through your word, you would challenge and encourage us to keep living for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, one thing I've noticed that as life goes on, uh, not just for me in the last six months, but just in general, is how important it is to get checkups, whether they be doctor's visits, dentist visits, health tests, or even things like financial audits or annual reviews, checkups, tests, evaluations, investigations, reviews that expose what's going on. And usually at the end of these uh, sessions or meetings, uh, when the results have been given, there's often some practical application, some change, directions, how to live differently, what to do now in light of these recent findings. Well, for us, the last two months, we've been going through the book of Malachi, and they've been going through checkup after checkup after checkup. And today we get to the end of this writing. Uh, let's remind ourselves of the context of Malachi. It's the last book in the Old Testament. It's about 100 years after God's people return from exile, coming back uh, into the land about mid-400s BC. Uh, but the return, the coming back, hadn't gone the way the people thought. 
Their new temple, it was a bit of a letdown. They were a smaller group of people. Their army wasn't strong. They were always under foreign rule and foreign rule. Things were tough. And tough times, they were getting to them. They were taking their eyes off God. They were beginning to doubt God. They were being apathetic in their worship of God. And through Malachi, God exposes what's going on, this checkup in the hearts of God's people. Six checkups about whether God loves them, priests and proper sacrifices, idolatry and divorce about God's justice, chapter 3 about giving to God, and last week, whether it's worth serving the Lord. And now God, through Malachi, finishes, concludes with this word on what to do now, how to live in light of these checkups. Well, if we step outside Malachi for a moment, today's uh, passage is the final word in the book of the Twelve. Remember Hosea to Malachi are the Twelve Minor Prophets, And in the Old Testament, these are one unit that go together. So this little ending, How to Live Now, this passage, is also a sign-off on the 12 minor prophets. And it's also the last word in the Old Testament. And this passage points us to the New Testament. It connects us from the Old to the New, looking back and looking forward. And we'll see this as we look through these verses today. And this passage, I think, is significant for us today, too. Because unlike the time of Malachi, we know what happens next. We know the promised prophet, the messenger from chapter 3 has come. The Lord himself has come in Jesus. We just sung in Christ alone. He's the prophet, the promised Messiah. But it's not all done yet. There's still more to the story, because Jesus, he's coming again. He's coming in judgment, just as the end of verse 6 says here. And in light of this, today's passage, this how to live now comment that God gave to his people through Malachi, God still speaks this to us, to you, and to me today, how to live now as God's people. Maybe this morning you're a follower of Jesus, many of you. Well, today's word is a rallying cry to keep going, to live well for God. Maybe this morning you're still figuring it out. You might have some preconceived ideas about what a Christian looks like. Maybe it's a rule follower, a tradition keeper, a a positive thinker or holding on to those extreme views over there. Well, today's passage is a picture of how a Christian is to live today. And there's three points this morning, three verses. And the first point is in verse 4, and it calls us to look back and remember. Have a read. Remember the law of my servant Moses the statute and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. When I was uh, in the midst of studying six years of architecture uh, between 2006 and 11, uh, year number four and five were the hardest 
to keep going. Some of us dropped out. In fact, many of us, about 75% of the grade. Uh, many of us got lost. But those in my group uh, that kept going, uh, we looked back and we remembered why we got into architecture in the first place, whether it was a love for design, a love of buildings, a love of the city, a love of making things work. It's so easy to get lost in the journey. And sometimes we just need to refresh, to refocus, to look back to the start. And that's what God does here to his people. He says, remember, look back. Look back to what? Well, God says, look back to the law of Moses. See, God's pointing back to the law given at Mount Sinai, sometimes referred to as Horeb, especially in Deuteronomy. Uh, this law is the Torah in Hebrew, the covenant between God and his people, this agreement, this relationship, uh, to the beginning when this people, Israel, became God's chosen people. And when Israel, when these people heard the word law or Torah, statutes and rules commanded, uh, we hear it with our ears today and we think, remember the rules, remember the things to obey. But it's not just that. You see, Israel would have heard, remember God's work of saving his people. Remember God's mercy and grace in the Exodus. Remember God redeeming us from slavery and making us his people, showing us how to live as his people, outlining in the law how to live in response to his grace to us. And God does want obedience. He's not just giving us a memory test to remember and to move on. The Hebrew word remember implies obedience, living this certain way. But it's not an arbitrary obedience as we usually think about it. It's living in response to God's grace. So as we read, remember the law of my servant Moses, we need to hear our first point this morning. God wanted his people to look back and he wants them to live in response to his grace. And while God's people in Malachi, they look back to the events of the Exodus, God saving them, making them his people and showing them how to live in response to his grace, God, he calls us, you and me today, to do this too. But to do this in an even bigger way, because today, on this side of the cross, we look back and we see the fulfillment of the law, the Lord Jesus Christ. We look back and we see the ultimate exodus, God's mighty salvation of saving people from the slavery of sin, redeeming people from death to life on, in, in Jesus on the cross. We see what the law and the Old Testament points to, the promised one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God calls us today to look back and remember, to live in response to his grace, his grace shown to us in Christ alone.
Well, let me ask you this morning, when's the last time you really looked back to remember God's mighty work of salvation as Jesus died for your sins on your behalf, saving you from death to life? When's the last time you really looked back and it caused you to remain, to persevere, to change your ways, to grow, to stick at it, to obey or to follow? I think we all suffer a bit from spiritual amnesia. We sing about God's grace. We did it just before. We hear about it when we read the Bible when we go to church, when we go to Christian meetings and groups. But there's a disconnect sometimes, isn't there? We easily forget. We easily take for granted. We easily ignore. We easily stop living for God. Well, how do we live in response to God's grace? How can we be reminded of God's goodness to us And how can we know God's way of life? Well, there's many ways to tackle this question, but I think the way that's oh so simple that we often overlook is the simple action of hearing and obeying God's word. You see, I think there's a movement in the church and in Christians today away from God's word, whether it's teaching God's word, encouraging people to read God's Word, knowing and understanding God's Word, memorizing God's Word. I think there's a greater focus on hearing from God through other ways, other means that we want for some reason, whether it be through prayer, meditation, experiences, or tradition and rituals. But where do we find God revealing Himself? Where do we find God revealing himself, his goodness, his grace to us, outlining the saving work of Jesus. Well, it's his word. It's the Bible. It's the holy scriptures. And where does God tell us how to live in response to his grace? Well, books, they're great. We've got a church library. Devotions are helpful. Articles and podcasts, they can be fruitful but it's primarily God's word where God ultimately tells us how we are to live as his people, how we're to live in response to his grace to us in Jesus. You see, God, he calls his people to look back, to live in response to his grace for Malachi's audience and for us today, to live in response to God's goodness and grace to us shown in Jesus Christ. Well, as we keep going, uh, this weekend, you might know, is the beginning of Schoolies Week. Uh, We see on TV festivities, parties, big holidays, SU camps. Well, Schoolies for me, 16 years ago, can't believe it was that long, was having a PlayStation party and a computer party to the early hours of the morning every day. But schoolies marks the end of the journey for grade 12ers. They've been living in view, in light of this moment for the past term, the past year, the past 12 years of schooling. And when they could finally get out of class and say, school's out, I'm done. 
They did their classes, they studied hard, they handed in assignments, they sat in exams in view of finally finishing their higher education. Was God's people here a called afresh to live for him? We've seen them look back, they were called to live in response to God's grace, and now God wants them to look forward, to look ahead, and to live in view of God's promise. Verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And here the word behold, it's not just see, have a look. It actually means fix your eyes here. Gaze upon it. Focus on it. Pay attention to it. Remember for the Israelites, they, uh, they were going through a tough time. They, they returned from the exile and it wasn't great. They were losing hope. They were wondering if God was doing anything, if he'd forgotten about them. And God says here, behold, pay attention to this. I'm working in this and things are going to happen says here that he's going to send Elijah before the final day of judgment. And Elijah, if you don't know, he's this bold prophet at the end of 1 Kings. He lived God's way when no one else would at the time. And this Elijah figure, this forerunner, this messenger from chapter 3, verse 1, this prophet, God promises his people that person that figure, he's on his way and he's going to pave the way for the day of the Lord. A day spoken of in the minor prophets, God himself breaking into the atmosphere of the world, God himself visiting his people and causing salvation and judgment. You see, God hasn't given up on his people. So pay attention Keep going and live in view of God's promise, which is our second point today. And we're privileged people again today in the second point because the New Testament shows us this promise being fulfilled. Has this Elijah come? And who is he? Well, as the Lord Jesus Christ talks about the ministry of John the Baptist, he says this, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 13, he says, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then again, the angel of the Lord prophesies of John the Baptist in Luke 1, verse 17. He says, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, that's John the Baptist, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. You see, we today, with the whole counsel of God, looking back at the cross of Jesus, we see God's promise to Malachi and his readers fulfilled. This Elijah guy has come, the forerunner, the messenger has arrived. 
In fact, this Elijah guy, John the Baptist, he's paved the way for the promised one of old, God's Messiah, God's chosen one, God himself visiting the world in the Lord Jesus Christ. But God's promises aren't done yet because, yes, the forerunner has come. Yes, Jesus has lived, died, and rose again. But this day of the Lord comment, this phrase, it hasn't been fulfilled yet. Final judgment hasn't come yet. Or maybe depending on your view of the end times, Jesus' first coming kicked off this time period called the day of the Lord. But we're still waiting for its final fulfillment when Jesus comes again in power and glory to bring an end to all things to judge the living and the dead on that great and awesome final day. But whatever your view is of what's to come, there's still a sense that this great and awesome day of the Lord is still a future day to come. And we here today have all the more confidence to live in view of God's promise, to live in light of what's ahead, knowing that God is working his ways, that his promises will happen. Jesus is coming, and that day of the Lord is coming. You see, it's so easy to lose heart, to drop your shoulders, to drift, to question, to be apathetic, to be lukewarm. Life's busy. The world is a mess. Church can be a drag. Things aren't going as planned in your life. There's competing voices everywhere. Is God really working in all of this in your life today? Well, God says to us through Malachi that he is indeed working, that his promises are trustworthy. And he wants you today to know this and to live in view of this and to keep living in response to God's grace in Jesus and to fix our eyes forward expectedly on Jesus coming again in glory. It's going to happen That's what God's saying. On the perfect new creation to come, it's going to happen. On that promised eternal life with God, it's going to happen. How does fixing your eyes on this change the way you live today? How do you order your life differently because of this? How does this change your attitude to the things of today? Well, for me, I think it's a call to keep going, to be faithful, to keep trusting God, to keep living for Jesus, to take our eyes off and away from the world and to fix them on our great, our good, and our gracious God because his promises are good. They are trustworthy. He is faithful and you will not be disappointed. God wants us to live in view of his promise. Well, so far, uh, just to recap, we've uh, seen God call the people to look back, to live in response to his grace. We've seen the call to look ahead, 
to live in view of his promise. And now Malachi finishes the book of the 12 minor prophets finish and the Old Testament canon finishes with a warning. Verse 6, a future warning and a picture of what God's going to do and a warning depending on how people respond to God. Verse 6, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. These are pretty strong words to end this book and the Old Testament. So let's put them in context for a moment. Remember the start of Malachi, right in the beginning. God loves Israel. God wants to restore his people to their uh, great blessings of old. God wants Israel to turn to him, to live for him, to trust in God's goodness and God's promises. And here, this verse, this is what God's going to do on that great and awesome day to come. He's going to firstly restore the people, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. You see, this is an image of restoration, restored relationships, and it's picture language, imagery language here, pointing to a bigger restored relationship. Not primarily between dads and kids, but between the heavenly father and his special people, between Yahweh God and Israel, between the Lord and his redeemed people. In other words, it's a restored covenantal relationship. Salvation, redemption, restoration, healing, reconciliation is all fully realized one day. A full reversal of the broken relationship between God and his people. But that's not all in this verse. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. We saw restoration and salvation And now we see the flip side, judgment. God striking the land, bringing destructive judgment. The phrase, a decree of utter destruction, is actually one word in Hebrew. And it's talking about the final, ultimate, and irredeemable act of destructive judgment against evil and all those who practice it. And this judgment, this destruction... It awaits all who reject God's grace in Jesus and continue in evil. You see, as Malachi ends, as the Old Testament ends, after calling his people continually to live for him, God wants them to live knowing that salvation and judgment is coming. And God wants us today all the more with God's work of salvation complete in Christ Jesus, knowing that in Christ our relationship with God has been healed, restored, reconciled. God wants us today to live knowing that salvation and judgment is coming. 
Maybe you're looking towards December 17. It drives you to urgency to get vaxxed or the unknown of what it'd be like. Maybe Christmas Day drives you to urgency, the presents that you missed, the plans that haven't been made. But knowing that final salvation and judgment is coming, how much more? How much more should that drive us to urgency? Jesus is coming again. And we can't do anything about our sin and falling short of God in our own. There's going to be no more second chances for me, for you, or for anyone else. So how can we be saved? How do we avoid judgment? Well, you need to listen to God. You need to turn to God, to trust in God, and in particular, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died in your place for your sin. And you need to live for God. Or maybe this morning as we finish off, you haven't turned to God yet. Maybe you're visiting. Maybe this is your social community, but you don't trust in Jesus. Maybe it's a bit of going through the motions and the rituals for you today. Well, remember that God loves you. He longs for all to be saved. And he wants you, he wants each of us to turn to him, to trust in Jesus. And God, our Father, he extends that offer to you today. But one day, on that future day, God's coming again in salvation and judgment. Time will be up. Will you turn to God and trust in Jesus? Maybe for most of you this morning, you have turned to God. You go through the good times of living for God, but you also go through the tough times of living for God. Well, hear God's warning today. Salvation and judgment is coming. Jesus is coming again. And God wants you to live knowing this, to live in response to his grace shown to you in Jesus. And that means for you today, hearing and obeying his word and letting God's grace in Jesus inform all aspects of your life and to live in view of God's promise. Fix your eyes expectedly and confidently on eternity. Come, Jesus, come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're a good and gracious God. You're a God who saves us, redeems us, shows us your mercy and your steadfast love. You plucked us from sin and death as Jesus died in our place for our sin. Father God, help us to remember your grace, to live in response to it. May your spirit work in us because, Lord, we need help to remember your grace and to live for Jesus. Help us, Lord, to also live in view of your promise of Jesus returning in glory. Lord God, give us a sense of urgency to live 
in light of that, to live knowing that your final day is coming, that salvation and judgment is coming. Father God, calls us to pay attention to you and to fix our gaze and our attention to your ways. Father God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.